Hey everybody, this is Andy, aka Love Retro BTW, across Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I do a podcast every Saturday called Cafe BTW, a morning gaming podcast, a retrospective look at the wonderful world of retro gaming, from interviews to guests. Join us every Saturday, like a Saturday morning cartoon, starting at 8 a.m., 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, if you're on Twitter, Please join the brand new retro gaming community, a place to share, connect, and show your love for the retro gaming community. All the links are down below. And remember, enjoy the Gamers Week podcast. Coming up on Gamers Week podcast. But wouldn't it be funny if companies did this now? Like, well, the PS5's coming out. Time to take all the PS4s and yeah. bury them in the landfill. <laughs> Instead, today, they put it in a bargain bin. <laughs> right. That's what I think that's what companies should do. Like, have it listed as PS3, uh, PS3 Tomb. <laughs> <laughs> PS2 Tomb, yeah. Sega Dreamcast Tomb. I would dig that up all day long to get some of those games. Yeah, I would turn the world of retro gamers into a bunch of Indiana Joneses. Yep. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. But instead of that, it's like the weird flute that. <laughs> So you guys would be happy to know that I've been watching Squid Game. Oh. And? and? I just finished the third episode, which was my favorite, by the way, because of all the licking going on. <laughs> <laughs> like he was going at that little cake, just like that. <laughs> but no, it's it's a good series. Um, just never thought of that as being a selling point to people. Be like, oh, by the way, <laughs> you're going to want to watch episode three by yourself with the lights down. <laughs> Maybe some candles. This is going to be such a weird beginning for the episode. <laughs> yes. <sighs> there are some really, really good plot points to this as you get into it. So, okay. You ain't seen nothing yet. Oh. <laughs> Not as much licking, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Are you guys ready to do this? I think I am. I'm good. Welcome to Gamers Week Podcast. Like the name says, we analyze the best, worst, and weirdest headlines of the past week in the video game industry. This is episode 37. Today is Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. In a row? <laughs> 37 in a row? Hey, hey get, back <laughs> here. get back here. And I have with me this evening, Donnie G Retro, who once had the nickname the fastest lick in the Midwest. <laughs> and Blue Williams, who rides her Mario Kart extra hard on Fridays. How are you guys <laughs> oh doing tonight? Um, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm on the fence about these. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, what the hell? <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so why don't we, without further ado, jump into our reviews, reactions, and requests. <laughs> Starting off from Andy, I'm one of those retro gamers who is not sanely into Zelda games, either though I always loved Wind Waker and Ocarina of Time. Andy, I feel you on that. Mr. Knight Rider says, great pod always. Gamescom was pretty good. Definitely getting the DualSense Edge at release before Sony puts the price up. And High on Life looks stupid. So I'm all <laughs> in on that game. Kojima is no competition for this podcast. Aw. <laughs> Sweet, Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, from PDX Ox. One of the best gaming news and update podcasts around. The three hosts, Ryan, Blue, and Donnie, strike a creative balance between news, humor, and some jokes for both retro and modern gamers alike. Even my gaming-loving kids enjoy listening to this show every week and discussing the topics together on our commutes. Looking forward to a long run of this show. Here, here. Yeah, apologies to your game-loving kids for the way this show has started so far. <laughs> yeah, we were totally talking about something else. I, you know, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. <laughs> and mine is a reference to the fact that Blue won uh, some tournament or something. <laughs> yeah, some, some silly little tournament. I totally did. And now it's time for the... Said Chewbacca? <laughs> That's a very important poll in Wookiee. Didn't you know that? What a Wookiee. <laughs> oh, Chewbacca. Chewbacca. <laughs> so every Monday on Twitter, we post our VIP. That is our very important poll. And if you'd like to participate, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC. So the question this week was, what is your favorite soundbite in video gaming? In third place, we have the Waka sound from Pac-Man at 19.4%. Second place was the Upgrade sound from Metroid at 21.6%. And the winner was Scorpion's Get Over Here from Mortal <laughs> Kombat at 32.5%. Get over here. We also had 26.5% of people vote other, so let's look at some of the comments from the poll. At Nachos and Chill, who has the best name ever, said, Gotta be the little chime when you discover a secret in the original Legend of Zelda. At MB the Great One says, The Metal Gear Solid alert sound is a classic. At Phineas Fool says, Cubert swearing when an enemy gets him. At Lobo19722 says, The Sinistar yell is terrifying. And at Angry Taco 2 said, Untitled Goose Games Honk. Honk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that wasn't even predetermined. <laughs> <laughs> so, Donnie, how did you vote in the poll? Um, I, 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 I went with everything. I, there's no, no single sound to me that stands out above all of the rest. And if I step foot into an arcade... I love hearing all of those sounds mixed together. Um, it just it brings me a lot of joy. So I really couldn't pick just one. What do you mean you couldn't pick just one? I couldn't pick just one because they're all so good. Scorpions get over here goes quite well with Jax's gotcha as he grabs somebody and beats the crap out of him. Um, <laughs> or Raiden's little. So 
Raiden, whenever he flies through the air, uh, he makes two sounds. One of them is similar to uh, a dealership we had here locally in St. Louis called Weber Chevrolet. And I remember what? when I, I'd go into the arcades and I'd hear Raiden do his uh, fly across the, the, the screen thing. And it'd be like, Weber Chevrolet! That's... <laughs> okay. I know it's stupid, but that's what I imagine him saying. <laughs> we'll take it. Okay, Ryan, wh- how did you vote? Uh, I voted for other in this one. I think all the ones that are listed are super iconic, but it was a, what is your favorite? And the one that stuck out to me as a kid was when you played the original NES Turtles. So not like the arcade one, not the third one, but the original one, which had, by the way, some really great music if you've never listened to it. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Especially the underwater theme. Mm. Yep. <laughs> that used to haunt my dreams. <laughs> uh, but when you complete uh, a board and uh, you either you know you fight a, a boss or, or what have you, and you're moving on to the next section of the game, uh, there's this, this little sound bite that's turtles based. It's like. <laughs> that i loved as a kid i had that as a ringtone for (laughs) a little while so uh, i don't know what it is about that but that made that game turtles for me because it's it's not a great representation of the turtles Mm -hmm. uh, but the the that sound made it turtles for me it's not but it's what we had yeah exactly like there wasn't turtles 2 at the time there was only that (laughs) in the arcade you know pretty much yep yep absolutely so blue how did you uh what did you pick so my choice maybe doesn't count, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I like the hmm. little ding when you turn on your Game Boy. Oh, okay. Okay. It, yeah. It said sound bite. That's a sound bite in my opinion. Yeah, it works. Okay, cool. I thought so. I'm going to count it. But yeah, I love that sound. It's so iconic and it has so much nostalgia attached to it. And I've been using it as my notification sound on my phone forever. I love it. <laughs> oh, we know. Yeah, I know. You guys have heard it. But the listeners didn't know. That's why I'm sharing. Like, is she playing her Game Boy while doing the podcast? Jesus. No. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little Tetris. Never hurt anybody. Just a little Tetris. Un poquito. All right. Let's take a look at our patron shout outs. We couldn't do what we do without the help of our gorgeous patrons. Here are the generous folks supporting Gamers Week on Patreon. Clayman71, Great Siaman81, BNT Zilla Guy, Geek With That, Crunchy Kong, Sheriff Snacks, Frank Grande, JNL Game, Love Retro BTW, Steven Sand, Ramboski, Terry Kinnair, Ducks in Disguise, Jim and Colleen, Games with Coffee, ABPGH, The Redox PDX Family, including Shannon and Luke, Zach Huge Thanks, Random Retro Dude, Princess Kitty Mew Mew, Rai Rai Secret Best Friend, Mega Retro Man, Gamatroid, Emo Esque, Bill Tucker, Rye Bread's number one fan, Fruitcake's number one Stan, and the Wizard of Zardons. If you like what you hear today, and we really hope you do, please consider joining us on Patreon. Your support helps cover the cost of producing the show, as well as other cool stuff we'll be doing like prizes and giveaways. You'll also gain access to our weekly patron-only bonus cast called Gamers Week Uncut, Patrons with Benefits. Visit patreon.com slash gamersweek or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. 
All right, so why don't we jump into our headlines for the week? Our headline segment is proudly sponsored by the Retro Game Club podcast. It's a fantastic family-friendly retro gaming podcast. In each episode, Rob and Hugh pick two games to play and discuss, as well as news, interviews, and other topics. Currently, they're playing through Alien vs. Predator and Predator 2. Visit them at RetroGameClub.net or follow the link in the show notes. I've only played the AVP arcade version. Is that is it is it the arcade version that, that they're playing? I think it might be because if you I don't know if it was Aliens versus Predator for the Atari Jaguar. I think it was just Aliens. No, I think maybe you're right. Is it? Was it? Yeah, I think there is an ABP for Atari Jaguar. And I know Predator 2 is on Sega Genesis. Oh, have you ever played the first Predator game on the NES? How terrible is it? Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that. Like there's a point where you're just Fighting a huge, massive predator mask. <laughs> <laughs> just the mask. Just right. Like- and and most, I mean, every boss battle is a predator. So they were like, well, we can't have every single one be just the same sprite with different colors. So let's uh, let's have you attack the mask. That sounds good, right? That, that's fun. <laughs> because money. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, atrocious. All right, first up from TechCrunch, Sony acquires Savage Game Studios, announces new PlayStation Studios mobile division. Sony is acquiring mobile game developer Savage Game Studios, the company announced on Monday. The financial terms of the deal were not disclosed. Savage Game is joining a newly created PlayStation Studios mobile division, which will focus on creating games based on new and existing PlayStation IP. Sony says the new studio, which will operate independently from console game development, aims to reach new audiences and give gamers more ways to engage with its content. Savage Game Studios is already working on a new, unannounced AAA mobile live service action game. However, Sony says it's too early to reveal more about this upcoming title. Sony says its efforts beyond console don't diminish its commitment to the PlayStation community or its passion to keep making single-player, narrative-driven experiences. Today's announcement comes a few weeks after Sony confirmed that its $3.6 billion deal to acquire Bungie, the gaming company that created Halo and Destiny, had gone through without any surprises. At Sony, Bungie will remain a standalone game studio, but its expertise will be woven into the company's strategy for PlayStation Studios, the division of Sony Interactive Entertainment dedicated to making tentpole games that showcase the company's technological prowess. So it's starting the the mobile game invasion, I guess. It's been kind of nice, I think, up until now, as much as we've hated mobile games, they've kind of been separate, been their own thing. And then this is Sony just outright saying, yep, we're going to do those two. We're going to bring everything in. They're going to be the same AAA IP that you know and love. And you may as well get used to it. Yeah, this is this is Sony introducing the kids to the stepmother and saying, <laughs> "There she is. This is deal with it." And you're like, "Ah, okay." You're not my real mom. <laughs> She's gonna send us to boarding school, probably. <laughs> she could have all of dad's money. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, actually, when you put it that way, it makes a lot more sense. you don't don't want that competition i'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate here just on the idea that potentially this may this may be a gateway for people who are not typically console gamers to gain access to these ips and then potentially become console or pc gamers fair do i think that that's going to happen like 80 percent of the people who pick up a mobile game are going to buy a playstation 5 no i think it's going to be a very small percentage but it's enough 
to continue to grow the fan base. And I think that's always a good thing. So while I am in the same boat of, I think, both of you, that mobile gaming is usually subpar and uh, obviously not something that we're interested in, uh, it may keep our hobby alive. So fingers crossed. No, go ahead and feel free to disagree. I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't feel like we need to rely on mobile gaming to keep the hobby alive, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think console games do well just on their own, console games, PC gaming. But to your point, mobile gaming is another avenue for people to get in on this stuff and enjoy the AAA titles that they would otherwise not be able to because they don't have a AAA console, so to speak. And I think that one of the things we talked about in either last episode or a few episodes ago was this idea of what the future of gaming will look like, and it will be console lit. Dongle? Dongle. (laughs) Always the dongle. (laughs) So this is kind of priming those folks to potentially purchase those dongles. Agreed. 100%. Well, and to Donnie's point, I I don't think that we need mobile gaming to keep the, the hobby alive. I think up until this point, mobile gaming has just kind of been an easy way for companies to make cash. That's true. That's That's why so many of them are so interested in it. If this uh, PlayStation Studios mobile division wants to gain my respect and let's be honest, wants to maintain the respect of its huge player base, then it needs to be actual quality games. It better not be this gotcha bullshit. It better not be the Diablo mobile game where it's completely pay to win and all of that nonsense. Yeah. Right. Right. Let us pay a one time price to own the game and let that be it. Don't let it be full of all this extra stuff that detracts from the actual experience of playing the game and makes it not fun. And that's why we all hate mobile games. Right. Absolutely. It's a, it's a casino at the end of the day. Right. Exactly. Pretty much. So if if PlayStation is going to take its most famous AAA IPs, let's talk uh, The Last of Us, let's talk God of War, let's talk uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Are you going to take those and turn them into casinos, make them cheap cash grab experiences and expect your player base is still going to be behind you? <laughs> I don't see that working out. Agreed. Uh, I'm thinking like Final Fantasy VII, you can pay to get the gold chocobo right away. <laughs> Oh, that's some crap. <laughs> yeah, that is some crap. <laughs> but then again, to, to uh, the other side of that coin, maybe that is their angle. Maybe that is their their way. Like, well, you know, because people, if you want the full experience, you'll buy the you'll buy the PlayStation Five or the PS Six or Seven or what have you. You'll 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 play it there for the story. But here, nah, you can you loot boxes, man. You can give us your money. You can upgrade right. really quickly and and do that stuff. So maybe that's their thing. I hate it. Uh, Yeah, I hate all of it. No, sir, I don't like it. (laughs) I'm still a wait and see. (laughs) I'm cautiously optimistic. That's what I mean. I'm cautiously optimistic. That's that's the term. That's uh, noble of both of you. I just flat out hate it. (laughs) (laughs) From Nintendo Life, Nintendo is apparently not involved in the new Switch DRM initiative. Earlier this week at Gamescom, Denuvo by well, yeah, good luck. Denuvo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was putting this together. I was like, nope, not me. <laughs> like, nope, I'm gonna give this to Donnie. But who's gonna give it to Ryan either? Because he can't pronounce anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Earlier this week at Gamescom, Denuvo by Iridetto launched a Nintendo Switch emulator protection solution to safeguard games launched on the hybrid system. Essentially, it's going to be inserted into Switch games in an attempt to prevent them from being played on emulators. What? Denuvo, as you might already know, doesn't have the best reputation on PC, with the tech often accused of cutting the performance in games. Since this announcement, there have been some concerns raised about Nintendo's possible involvement. According to Kotaku, a Denuvo spokesperson has clarified that Nintendo is not involved in this new Switch DRM initiative. This solution is apparently in response to demand from Denuvo's existing publishing partners, and it's also stated that performance won't be impacted. Because of NDAs, we are not allowed to disclose company names, but we can say the solution comes from strong demand from publishing partners. Software publishers and Denuvo take great care to deliver the best gaming experience. The protection is designed not to affect the gamer's experience, and it does not have any in-game performance impact, said the spokesperson. Denuvo also mentioned how the tech for Switch would not require online checks and was a solution designed to be fully offline. So I don't really understand this whole thing. I think it's within the game's code. It will prevent you from emulating the ROM. So why is that a problem? Because there are a lot of, we'll say, black market uh, individuals who are able to crack games and then sell them as like a SD card to put into your Switch so that you can basically get all the games for free. So it's kind of an anti-piracy thing. Now, now I get it. And I think with an existing console, yeah. uh, a current gen console, I'm all for this. Because if, if it's available, if the, if the Switch game is available, go out and buy it. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah, 100%. but to be devil's advocate again, since we're doing that tonight, <laughs> in 30 years... That's different. That's different. <laughs> yeah, but imagine if Nintendo had had a solution like this back when they had the NES. Yes, that would have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> now, nobody would be emulating anything. And then 30 years from now, I know this is not something that Nintendo is directly involved in, but let's say it's a thing where access to these games is tightly controlled because of reasons and emulation dies because we can't play them. We can't preserve them. Great point. Maybe... If there's a way to remove the code. So I, here, here's what I'm thinking. So Denuvo is making this thing that you can, they, they put into the Switch games and it doesn't allow you to emulate it. So in 30 years, or let's just say at like in two, two consoles later, when Nintendo's like, okay, we're not selling anything Switch related. You can't buy it anywhere in stores. It's all secondary market. Maybe then they'll say, if you have these games, here's this, here's the code that you can kill this this DRM with. They'll probably make you pay for it, but And honestly, that's I think that's probably going to be the case. After a while, I don't think that Denuvo is going to care after 15, 20 years uh, about a game that you're trying to crack in order to take off their anti-emulation software. So right. it's not going to be something that they'll plan to update consistently uh, in regards to those games. Uh, in fact, it sounds like it's on the cartridge itself, potentially. But that also makes me think, well, then there has to be separate ROMs if Nintendo wants to do like they've done with all of their classic games, where if, you know, years down the road, when we're on the Nintendo uh, game 6500, uh, whatever, <laughs> they're still going to want you to be able to play 
those old games, right? The games that we're playing now. Maybe with Nintendo, you never know. <laughs> it's true. Right. It's true. But they hope so. But those uh, un, we'll say uh, those ROMs without this technology are going to be out there too. So I'm optimistic in that sense, but I agree that it's certainly going to be a headache. But I get, I get why they're doing it. I, I totally do. Mm-hmm. It's just it. I think with everything that companies do like this, it has unintended consequences that are going to be, right. you know, something that we'll see later on. Right. I mean, you really can't fault the companies for wanting to protect their intellectual property from piracy. Exactly. No, not exactly. at all. But yeah, I just think that the the long-term consequences of it should be discussed. I think it's a good look, though, for Nintendo for them to be able to separate themselves from this. Right. Especially right. if it actually does affect the performance of the game. Right. They're saying it doesn't, but are we sure? So this company is actually working with other publishers who create these games. So not not Nintendo, but just the other publishers that create the games, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Third party, yeah. So is Nintendo okay with this then? I know they said they, they've separated themselves from that and they, they don't have anything to do with it. But is Nintendo then okay with this particular type of code going into their system, essentially? I guess if it doesn't violate their, their terms of use. Right, right. Okay. I'd like to hear more from Nintendo about it. And at the end of the day, though, like the best things that go on the Switch are made by Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's be honest. So maybe that's why they don't care. Yeah. And or they're not really. A lot of the other stuff that is good, the really good third-party stuff, you can get them more places than just the Switch. Right, right. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from GameSpot, Konami confirms new game from Famous Series will be announced at TGS. (laughs) Konami has announced that it will reveal a new game related to one of its classic franchises next month at the Tokyo Game Show. Voice actor Yuki Kaji will be on stage to represent the fans of the game, which Konami describes as being linked to a world-famous series, according to the VGS sources. Silent Hill, Metal Gear Solid, and Castlevania fans shouldn't get too excited about the reveal, as the new game is reportedly related to a smaller project that the company has lined up. It's rumored that Konami does have revivals planned for some of its biggest IPs, including Silent Hill 2 Remake being helmed by the Bloober team and remasters of classic Metal Gear Solid games. Bloober confirmed in October of 2021 that it was working on two AAA projects that have yet to be officially revealed, and the company has signed a deal with Konami for a new project. Other rumors have pointed to the multiple Silent Hill games being in development, including a project under Annapurna Interactive that takes an episodic approach to the series. The rest of Konami's schedule for TGS has been published, and the company will be using its 45-minute presentation to show off Yu-Gi-Oh! Cross Duel, Super Bomberman R2, and eFootball 2023. Ooh, eFootball! Right. I know, right? Ugh, that's a sad <laughs> lineup. I'm not going to lie. And also, you know what? I am done. I'm done with Silent Hill rumors. I am done. Wake me up when we actually have confirmation of a game. Other than that, <laughs> my heart can't take any more. Wake me up before you go, go. Right. So the top three are out. A smaller Konami game. I The, the, the first one that comes to mind is Contra. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I was going to go with Bayou Billy, but yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Twinbee. It's got to be Twinbee, obviously. <laughs> um. Looking up Konami franchises. Hmm. 
when they say voice actor Yuki Kaji. So what has this person been involved with? If he's representing the fans, though, I think they haven't told him yet, and they're just going to put him on stage and just <laughs> film his reaction. Right. So it's jumping up and down. Yes! No, looks like he's an anime voice actor. So something anime related? Uh, please, no. <laughs> it's going to be something. Vandal Hearts, maybe? I. Is that a world-famous series, though? Uh, I don't think so. Sukoden? Suikoden, yeah. Suikoden would be cool. Oh, oh, Suikoden, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Evolution of Gaia, Suikoden. Damn names. (laughs) Ninja Gaiden. (laughs) (laughs) It's dated. Uh, Maybe uh, Far East of Eden. Okay. Uh, You know, RPG series. Mm -hmm. Those could be nice and anime-ish. But yeah. I've seen this story all over Twitter, and everyone is posting it with a thumbnail of Silent Hill just to get people to click on the article and then read it's definitely not Silent Hill. Right. And there's a special place in hell for those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the clickbait son of a I'll see you all there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up from Alamogordo Daily News. Cartridges found in Alamogordo Landfill's Atari tomb to be sold on eBay. The horde of classic video games from the Atari tomb unearthed in an Alamogordo landfill in 2014 will be offered for sale. Of the 283 games remaining, 100 will become part of the Tularosa Basin Historical Society archive. The rest will be sold on eBay, the profits of which will be split evenly between the Tularosa Basin Historical Society and the city of Alamogordo. The exact date the games will be offered for sale on eBay was not released. Funds from the sale earned by the city will be used to finish the pergola at the Alamogordo Public Library, the Railroad History Park, and the Dudley School Project. In 1983, Atari began the process of dumping 29 truckloads of games and consoles in the old Alamogordo landfill. In 2014, a dig began to find the Atari tomb, and on the second day of the dig, the tomb was found. Approximately 792,000 games were buried. Oof. We were able to recover over 1,300 games, along with systems, components, and remnants of the 2600 console, said Joe Lewandowski of Operational Consultants, a waste collection and environmental consulting service, and Tularosa Basin Historical Society. Lewandowski said that Atari disposed of the Atari 2600 game systems because the Atari 5200 game system was about to launch. And for everybody who thinks they were all ET games... They were not all ET. <laughs> they were not. <laughs> Lies. I read it on the internet. It must be true. The amount of times I see that where people are like, well, they buried, uh, you know, like a million ET carts there. It's like, well, <laughs> they didn't. Did you watch the uh, documentary? No, of course they didn't. <laughs> but wouldn't it be funny if companies did this now? Like, well, the PS5's coming out. Time to take all the PS4s and yeah. bury them in the landfill. <laughs> Instead, today they put it in a bargain bin. <laughs> right. That's what I think. That's what companies should do. Like, have it listed as PS3, uh, PS3 tomb, <laughs> PS2 tomb, yeah. Sega Dreamcast tomb. I would dig that up all day long to get some of those games. Yeah, it would turn the world of retro gamers into a bunch of Indiana Joneses. Yep. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> But instead of that, it's like the weird flute. (laughs) (laughs) But man, 
I would totally buy one of these. It was being mm-hmm. auctioned on eBay, but I have a feeling they're going to go for way more than I could afford, considering that the funds have all of these different things that they're meant to help finish. <laughs> right. But come on, trash being sold on eBay? This isn't the first time. <laughs> Actually, they did originally when they uh, uncovered a lot of these, they did sell them on eBay for quite a bit. And uh, I know that WADA has sealed quite a few of these and graded them. Yeah. Crazy, right? Grading (laughs) trash games? How do you even begin to grade a trash game? Give it a one and call it a day. So uh, I'm not surprised that, in fact, if I remember right to it, I think it went to Alta, the city of Alamogordo. So... Not surprised, but I will say that these will probably go for a premium price considering this is the last of their series of games, right? There's only 183, uh, so chances are people are going to want to get their hands on it before they're all gone, essentially. So 792,000 games buried, Mm -hmm. 1,300 games recovered. Do you think there's a there is a a, a little a junior Indiana Jones out there just like going going to the uh, the dump each day to try and dig this stuff up? <laughs> oh, got me another cartridge. Going Would at they like care? Three in the morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> got to work the night shift. I would imagine a city doesn't want somebody rummaging through the dump. Oh, they've got this thing under lock and key. Right. It's probably guarded twenty four seven. Well, we we accumulated about $2,000 worth of proceeds from this, but the security team that we had to hire over the last (laughs) eight years, uh, yeah. Right. Totally worth it. (laughs) All right. Let's take a look at our top three new releases for the week. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection. All right. Platform, (laughs) PS5, Xbox Series, X and S, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection, assembles 13 classic TMNT games by Konami in one incredible package. Giggity. This collection provides a unique opportunity for gamers to experience these immensely popular and very influential games. It also includes a fantastic set of new quality of life features, such as added online play for certain games, save any time and rewind, and historic TMNT media content. Lego Brawls. PS5, Xbox Series XS, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC. Dream up the ultimate minifigure brawlers and bash your way through all of your favorite LEGO themes in the first team action brawler set in the LEGO universe. Play with friends at home or around the world and see how you stack up against the competition. What if I have no friends? What are we? <laughs> oh, shit. no, no, no. What's this we stuff? It's, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R PS5, Xbox Series XS, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC Hirohiki Araki's Masterpiece brought to life as a fighting game Battle with 50 colorful characters wielding stands, ham on, and more See how characters who could never meet in the story interact when they come face to face out of these three games, Ryan, what are you picking this week? 
Oh, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga collection. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be a clean sweep. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't buy it, though, which I was disappointed in myself. So I definitely have to go and pick it up. But uh, yeah, what a great collection of games. The fact that there's save states, uh, especially for the first in <laughs> TMNT, uh, that's going to be extremely useful. So yeah. And then online play. Come on. This would be great. I can't wait. I know. To be able to, if it's four-player online play and to be able to do uh, Turtles in Time or Tournament Fighters or whatever with people, sure. For sure. And Blue, I think I know, but let's go ahead and hear it from you. Yeah, uh, definitely Cowabunga Collection. I'm going to make heavy use of that rewind feature. Not even sorry (laughs) about it. I'm going to finally get through these games. But as far as Lego Brawls, does it seem like these platform brawler games are now kind of like the cart racers of the early 2000s where it's like, let's just everybody make one. <laughs> yeah. And Lego just does not seem to me like to be the, the first one that would come to mind for a brawler. <laughs> but I am envisioning if you punch somebody in the head, their little head pops off. Boop. Oh, if it doesn't, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> he ripped his head off. Oh my God. <laughs> Rated M for mature. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Actually, it was really funny because I went to Steam to look up this description for the Cowabunga collection, and it made me put in my birth date because it was sensitive material um, for this game. I was like, are you serious? Say what? Yeah. So I wonder what's in that historic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle media content. Some kind of (laughs) like old turtle erotica or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And Shredder kicked in the door, and Splinter's robe was sitting adrift. (laughs) (laughs) Sewer house forum. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I can think of that would be plausible is that they have uh, Eastman and Laird, maybe comics in there, which were kind of violent for the time. But yeah, uh, they started off in black and white, though, so it's totally like Psycho, right? They they definitely use syrup instead of blood. (laughs) (laughs) Right, obviously, obviously. Uh, what about you, Donnie? Um, clean sweep. Cowabunga collection. Even though I have a lot of the games on the list, it's still nice to have them on all have them all in one spot. So I'm definitely picking this one up. I still have yet to pick up Shredder's Revenge. I know, shame, shame, shame. Uh, it just the backlog continues to get even bigger, but I'm definitely picking this one up. I'm still waiting for my Shredder's Revenge to show up. So yeah, same. Shouldn't that be showing up soon for you guys? I would imagine. You think so? I'm not planning on it until more like Christmas. Yeah, I think we talked about this last time with limited run games. Mm-hmm. I assume it's always going to come. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that when it does come, it's like, oh, well, there you go. Look, yeah. it came. Oh, it's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we jump into our main topic for the week? Uh, from CBR.com, the defunct video game services we miss the most. When someone pictures a video game console, there are a few primary things that come to mind. Perhaps they picture playing their favorite games with their friends, being able to download their most anticipated titles on launch day, or competing against others for the top score in competitive style leaderboards. It's common knowledge that these services need internet access to function. Unsurprisingly, not everyone thinks about the servers that these features have to be hosted on, at least not until a company announces that they're going to be shutting down one of these long-running services. 
Although it's always hard to accept a sad reality of the ever-involving live service industry is that not all services can be kept up forever. All right, number six on the list, the Wii U and 3DS eShops are closing for good on the same day. The eShops for both the Nintendo Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS are both set to close permanently on March 27th, 2023. While the shops themselves will remain open for another half a year, the cutoff to add any sort of funds, including with eShop-specific prepaid cards, was August 29th, 2022. Players in the UK haven't had this ability since late 2019, so it's only been a matter of time before an official worldwide closure takes place. Number five, the loss of original Xbox Live meant loss of compatibility for many games. Back in the early console days, many players assumed that the services they played on would always be available. As time passes and new consoles come out, older ones have to be shelved in order to make room, with the original Xbox being no exception. Less than a decade after its release, the original Xbox Live was discontinued. In Microsoft's official statement, the closure was done in order to help drive sales to the newer and more profitable Xbox 360, but not more reliable. (laughs) While this makes sense, it also means that many original titles lost their compatibility with online services. Is it ironic that you're reading this with red highlighted font? (laughs) Oh, I didn't even pull. Shots fired. Nice. Number four, a handful of classic Wii apps ended up being discontinued. The Nintendo Wii was one of the most beloved consoles of its time and with one to be found in virtually every family living room. This would slowly change over time with Nintendo in turn beginning to cancel many of the console's once loved channels. Perhaps the most well-known closure was the Wii Shop channel. However, there are a handful of other classic Wii channels that got caught in the crossfire. The Nintendo, Forecast News... Everybody votes and check me out channels. That's such a corny name. All face closure in 2013. While all fairly simple services, they were also the staple of the Wii and their discontinuation was felt by many fans. At number three, Nintendo cites social media as the main Miiverse killer. Nintendo has tried all sorts of different avenues when it comes to its in-console apps. With the Miiverse for the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U, Nintendo tried their hand at a social media type app where users could share their opinions on various games or share cute doodles with each other. While Miiverse devolved into a place rampant with trolls and off-topic discussions, it was still a charming and entertaining place that many users enjoyed checking. Nintendo ended support for the Miiverse in November 2017, citing the rise of other mainstream social media apps as the main reason for its decline. Number two, the Nintendo Wi-Fi discontinuation service crushed longtime fans. One of the most crushing discontinuations for any Nintendo fan has to be the cessation of the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection service. On May 20th, 2014, Nintendo pulled the plug on the connection service, which affects many Wii and Nintendo DS titles. Even though these three systems weren't as popular in the 2010s, These systems all had a few titles that retained a small, dedicated fan base. Mario Kart Wii and Super Smash Bros. Brawl are two big examples of this, with one player of the former actually screenshotting the exact moment the servers were closed for good during a Mario Kart race. (laughs) That is the worst red shell of them all. (laughs) 
And number one, online support for the Xbox 360's legacy Halo titles was cut late last year. The Xbox One has been out for almost an entire decade, but many fans still prefer to play their favorite 360 titles on their original system. Despite shrinking fan base as many moved to the next generation Xbox, many players still preferred the 360's classic titles. While the Xbox 360 is generally supported, companies can choose whether to keep support up for their titles. 343 Industries, which is responsible for the Halo franchise, decided to pull support for the 360 titles at the end of the last year. While players can still go through the single-player sections of these games, all multiplayer features are now unavailable. That had to be an epic moment. You're in the middle of a Mario Kart race, <laughs> and I guess you just see server disconnected, and you're like, oh, okay, it's the... I don't know why they took a screenshot. Maybe something was happening. Maybe they did get, they're getting ready to cross the finish line and a red shell came up and they're like, oh no, screenshot. Oh, maybe it was just a, it was a momentous occasion. (laughs) This one hits me personally. So I had just kind of gotten back into gaming. I was starting to collect uh, in 2014, at the beginning of 2014. So I hooked up my Wii with Mario Kart Wii and I was playing online for a good two or three months. And then one day I went back downstairs to turn it on and it just wouldn't connect. And I didn't know why. And I, I wasn't into gaming news. So it wasn't like I was something that was familiar for me. To, really? To go. They didn't yep. put up any sort of notices or anything? I'm sure they did. But I don't know if I was uh, aware of it at the time. I just remember going, uh, what? Because I, I think if I remember right, too, I was planning on playing. I, at the time, I think me and my brother were playing on the Wii for Mario Kart. Or maybe it was Evan. Uh, my buddy Evan, but it, there was a plan to play on that Saturday, and it was I had to like call people up and be like, "Yeah, uh, they cut the cord on that." <laughs> so, <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. Uh, so actually, though, uh, in all fairness, that forced me to purchase a Nintendo DS so that I could get Mario Kart Online through that. So uh, you know, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, right. They, they definitely got me on. That. <laughs> I got into the 3DS specifically really, really late. So I, in particular, hate the closure of the 3DS eShop because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff on there that I would still like and like to have access to in the future. But yeah, sorry. It makes me think that I made the right decision in buying a second 3DS that was hacked. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I get why they can't keep these servers open forever. I completely get it. But at the same time, the 3DS, as I understand it, is super easy to hack. And you're just asking people to keep on doing it. Right. It's it's a constant battle because you, you go into purchasing a newer console knowing this fact that it's very online dependent, that it takes a lot of servers to keep running for the games that you love. Mm-hmm. And that one day, eventually this stuff will go away, even though you love it, even though you still play, probably play your PS3 or your Xbox 360, like this one game I absolutely love. And then one day it's, you cannot play it anymore because it's online dependent. That is why I stick to retro as much as possible. Right. As far as collecting stuff, um, I, I know emulation is there, but since I have the console, since I have the games, they'll never stop working unless something inside the system does. And then I can replace that. But a game that's completely dependent on online capabilities, that just, you're you're handcuffed. Yeah. It does kind of put the fear of God into you as far as accumulating a backlog of modern games. Because right. so many of them rely on the internet. Or if you if you bought it digitally. Better not dawdle on that too long. I said to myself. 
<laughs> Doddle. There was the Scott Pilgrim game that came out. Right. That, that's a huge example of this. Yeah. 2010, maybe 2013, something like that. Around that time, uh, I purchased it or I think it was like a free, it was a free download. Actually, it was a free download. I downloaded it and then all of a sudden it went away. Like it was gone and they removed it from the shop and all that stuff. And I was like, well, I really like the game. I want to go back and play it. Nope, it's gone. It was delisted in 2014, December 2014. Okay. And I think it was because my my original fat PS3 at the time died, thanks to Black Ops 2. It completely <laughs> died. I sent it off to get fixed. It did get fixed, and then it died again. And I ended up buying another PS3, a slim one, but I could not download uh, Scott Pilgrim mm. after that. Do you think your fat PS3 dying was like a metaphor for your, or maybe foreshadowing uh, with your experiences with Call of Duty? What the f*** does that mean, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you I have lamented. Good, you have you guys, lamented. Hang on, you guys. I want to go get some popcorn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have lamented in the past that Call of Duty is not as fun as you once saw it. So I was just saying that maybe because it made your PS3 <laughs> die, it was foreshadowing, letting you know that maybe this is the time that you should stop playing Call of Duty, and yet you persisted. I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> but no, because the multiplayer at the time with the, the Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, 3, mm-hmm. whatever, that was a great experience. Team Deathmatch, Free For All, Search and Destroy. It wasn't like what we have now with the battle royale, everything's a battle royale. Right. So right. that smaller team-based gunfight, I really loved and enjoyed. And I was actually pretty damn good at it. Now I can't I can't play that. I can't go back to it. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the funny thing about Call of Duty is it seems really difficult for people to go back and play the old games. Yep. Were either of you a user of the Miiverse? I hate the Mies. They're so annoying. <laughs> and I hate that if you want to do anything online on the Switch now, you need a freaking me. At first, when it came out for the, the Wii, it was cute, right? Oh, look, I get to create oh, my absolutely. own avatar. Yeah. This is cute. Uh, but the Miiverse was hugely popular with people. The fact that I know what it is, <laughs> is uh, a sign that it had a lot of base, you know, of people who actually interact with it on a daily basis. So yeah. when that shut down, uh, man, the uproar for that was huge. I bet the Miiverse is why Nintendo has such a, a hyper-controlled experience for any online chatting that they do now. That's true. <laughs> because yeah. if it devolved into trolls and off-topic discussions, Nintendo's just said, we're not doing that again. <laughs> well, like with Mario Kart, you could, there's only a certain amount of predetermined uh, things that you can put up in the text. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I'll try to do my best. Go easy on me. Right. Uh, you know, they don't have go f- your mother or right. whatever you, know, you can put in there. <laughs> the worst thing you can say is not fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's the meanest thing you can say. And I'm not mad about it. I just spam. I'm using tilt controls when I'm not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. <laughs> So is there an online service that you use today that you will be sad to see go away? Uh, For me, because of how I use it, I would say the NES and Super Nintendo online through Switch. Uh, If they take that down, the the multiplayer aspect of it so that you can play with friends. uh, That's one of the main reasons I've owned a Switch and really enjoyed it. So if that was gone, that would be hugely disappointing. What about you, Donnie? 
there's not a lot of services that I use online. Um, there's Battle.net and there's Steam. I don't use a lot of the Super Nintendo, Nintendo, Sega Genesis stuff on the Switch. But if that were ever to go away, yeah, I'd feel a little bit of a loss. But if Steam ever st- shut its doors. <laughs> Steam's not going to shut its doors. I know it's not. What about but Warzone? I... Well, they're going to come out with another Call of Duty that's just way better than Warzone. That's what I was going to say is like, let's say however many years in the future, you're playing Warzone 6 and you're like, gosh, I'm so nostalgic for the first Warzone. I wish I could still go play it. Right. And I can't. You know, it's one service I'm surprised hasn't been shut down. What's that? The original StarCraft Battle.net. Still up and running. (laughs) Maybe they will when they uh, put out the StarCraft 2 remake, remaster, whichever it is. (laughs) Probably. Well, it was only, uh, what, like last year or the year before where they basically said, hey, come download the game again and we're opening up the servers to, to more gameplay. And I was all over that. I was, I was playing user map settings. I was playing against my brother. Then I decided to play StarCraft 2 with Mr. Blue and he kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was among those. I he was, was like, gosh, I should re-download StarCraft 2. And... <laughs> About that same time. So I was like, wow, you can still play it. That's amazing. Well, I'm even talking about the original StarCraft, StarCraft 1. Yeah, he downloaded both. Nice, nice. So one of the other services that I'm going to be missing is World of Warcraft. Oh. Mm. If that ever... I mean, I haven't played World of Warcraft in a couple of years. If they ever shut that down, man, did I waste a good chunk of my life was it really wasted? Yes, it was because I never I was never a person that rated. I never wanted to be in that that South Park episode where it's like, <laughs> hey, you need to put on this crown for 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 raise your defense and raise your agility. And like I I could never get into that. And I had people that would like, all right, Friday night, it's raid time. Let's let's all get up and all right, you you're you're respond, you're the tank, you're the healer, you're this, you're that, you're that, you're DPS, and all right, we're gonna we're gonna take Black Rock Keep. Ah. No, I, I never wanted to be that. I wanted to play the game by myself or maybe with like one or two friends. Um, so that's how I experienced World of Warcraft. So you never got to the point where you yelled, all right, let's do this. Donnie G, <laughs> Did he just go in? <laughs> so I got some chicken. <laughs> God damn it, Leroy. Right. <laughs> Uh, for myself, the one that I would obviously miss is uh, when they finally take down the servers for Mario Kart 8. Yeah, that's going to be bad. Yeah, that's going to be sad. Of course, they're not going to do that till we are well into Mario Kart 9. Right. They want to make sure that they have a, enough people that have purchased Mario Kart 9 before they take Mario Kart 8 away. But it's still going to be sad. I have a ton of hours in there. And I play it most days. Played it earlier today. So... The one thing I like about Mario Kart, though, is that they recycle the maps from the older games. I think that that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Right. So in a way, even though you're not experiencing the exact same game, you're you're at least familiar with the the maps or the the, the what is Track. it maps Track. tracks? There we I go. Know, tracks. Why, I say you, maps too. All of you call them maps. Mister Blue calls them maps, and <laughs> right about people call them maps. They are not maps. They are tracks. <laughs> I also say Nintendo tapes. <laughs> <laughs> She's gatekeeping us. She is. <laughs> uh, real Mario Kart players say tracks. Uh, right. 
Oh my God, they're tracks. They're not maps. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how I sound to you guys? Uh, that's exactly how you sound. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Cool. Blues from Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? It's not Valley Girl. <laughs> Oh my god, are you playing with Waluigi? Uh, try hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow that one. <laughs> like, what are you even? <laughs> All right, so before we move on, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. This segment is proudly sponsored by The Leaders Podcast. It's a show where three friends and occasional guests play games about games, including trivia, game show games, and more. Here is this week's trivia question. When it comes to beloved franchises, one of the most devastating phrases a gamer can hear is development hell. It can mean the death rattle of some planned titles. Sometimes, though, the creators pull through. For better or for worse, do you know which game took the longest to release? Tune in to The Leaders Podcast this Wednesday to hear the answer. You can find The Leaders on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll also have links in the show notes. So the parameters of the question, we're talking from official announcement to release? I believe so, yeah. Well, Cyberpunk took 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and, my guess. Uh, Final Fantasy 15 took 13. Mm-hmm. And this Ooh. one is uh, 15 years of development time. Mm. Was it the the Star um, the space game? Starfield. That's not out yet, though. I wouldn't quit counting just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about No Man's Sky? Uh, I don't know which one it was. I, I think it has to do with a space game, though. The new space game or the old space game? <laughs> Just a space game, man. I'm throwing it out there. It's a space game because it's space. So it is. Am I uh, close? No. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. All right. It's a game that, that wasn't worth the wait is what I'll say. Hmm. Mm. Well, you told us last week what the answer was. So tell us again this week. Redacted. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Could have waited longer. on <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we jump into Gaming History 101, I did want to make a pretty cool announcement. So obviously, last Friday, uh, we had talked about the Mario Kart 8 tournament uh, for Stand Up to Cancer. And we are proud to announce that we ended up raising almost $1,100 for cancer. Woo! Cancer research. <laughs> it's cancer not research. for cancer, it's cancer right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Here, cancer, have some money. <laughs> they spend it in the worst ways. Um, <laughs> and it just so happens that uh, the, the winner of that Mario Kart tournament happens to be on the podcast this evening. Blue Williams, congratulations for winning the tournament. 16 people and she was the victor. So great job, Blue. Thank you. Thank you. I just uh, I want to thank my parents. I want to thank God. Um, I want to thank my coaches. No, just kidding. I don't have any coaches. <laughs> no, it was a really fun time. Oh. And uh, that final round, that was tough. Yeah, I want to say that Ducks in Disguise could have won just as easily as, as me and almost did. I only beat him by two points. So great group of racers there. Oh, yeah. Total clench. And it's funny because... You know, we were talking throughout the other races, like sharing stories and and, and anecdotes and stuff. But that final, final, uh, the championship round, it was like everybody was quiet, just watching. <laughs> <laughs> it does not surprise me that Blue won. Congratulations, though. Well, thank you. 
All right, thank you for coming, student. Please take your seats. Welcome back to Professor Rybrad's Gaming History 101. And in today's lesson, we're going to talk about a game franchise that pioneered the stealth game genre and cemented the game's director into rock star status. I'm, of course, talking about Metal Gear and Hideo Kojima. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Splinter Cell. Really? No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> Splinter Cell's a ripoff of Metal Gear. I know, and I was going to say... uh <laughs> You should listen to this. <laughs> All right. So to kind of start things off at the beginning, in the early or in yeah, in the early 1960s, a young Hideo Kojima grew up in Osaka, Japan, obsessed with films. Uh, he and his family spent most nights watching films together, with the rule that he could stay up until the film was finished. So basically, Kojima had really cool parents, more or less. And he was exposed to films uh, from all over the world, including ones that were often considered unsuitable to a child of his age. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, this all explains so much. Indeed. Actually, that's, that was kind of the <laughs> point. <laughs> Naturally, he uh, he wanted to be a filmmaker, uh, but his father unfortunately died at the age of 13, and that left his family... Um, uh, yes? His father died at the age of 13? Uh, no, he, That's his father died. Blowing my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen Don't Be a Menace? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the premise of that, of course, is the main character's uh, father is younger than he is. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get back there and alphabetize the Sega Genesis games. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kojima at the time was 13 uh, when his father died. And unfortunately, that led to his family kind of dealing with financial hardship. But uh, eventually, he, he got a chance to go to college, uh, and he studied for a degree in economics. But in his free time, he wrote stories and gained an appreciation for video games. So fresh out of college, uh, he was looking for work in the Japanese cinema, but unfortunately, he kind of lacked the connections to find his way in. Apparently, that was kind of prevalent in the Japanese cinema at the time, that if you didn't know somebody, you probably weren't going to get a job there. So I ended up applying uh, to work at Konami purely because they were the only third-party video game developer listed on the Japanese stock exchange. His hopes were that he'd be assigned to the Famicom development studio and was disappointed to find out that he was working to develop for the MSX PC. Now, the MSX was a hugely popular PC in Japan at the time, even though it was made by Microsoft. Uh, mm. But similar to the ZX Spectrum in the UK or the Commodore in the US. So after showing promise with his first assignment, he was asked to take on a project from a senior associate who was struggling to make their military action and combat game, Metal Gear. You may have heard of this one. I don't know. Uh, I've never heard of it. <laughs> now, this is where Hideo's movie background really kind of influenced his career, more or less. And uh, he was a big fan of the American movie, The Great Escape, uh, which depicts the true story of World War II POWs planning their escape from a Nazi prison camp. Now, the issue at the time with Metal Gear it had to do with the limitations on the MSX. So rather than creating a game that relied heavily on action, he decided to adapt The Great Escape into a stealth game that rewarded players for being sneaky rather than rushing into combat, which is not how I play Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the game featured the protagonist, Solid Snake, who was tasked with infiltrating Outer Heaven to stop a nuclear-equipped walking mech known as Metal Gear. Now, the game was a rousing success and led to Hideo's becoming the writer and director on the next project, a graphical adventure game called... Donnie, do you know this one? Uh, Snatcher. Very good. Snatcher. 
which depending on where you play it is vastly different. <laughs> <laughs> There's another word for it, but we're not yes, going to yes. Censored. Yeah. Censored is the word I'm going to use. <laughs> Redacted. Yep. <laughs> Unbeknownst to Hideo, Konami decided to port the MSX Metal Gear to the NES with only three-month time window and a five-person team. Despite the success of the port, Kojima has openly criticized many of the changes made in the port, including poor translation and the abridged ending. Of course he would hate an abridged ending. Abridged ending. (laughs) (laughs) Death Stranding, right? (laughs) So, you know... Metal Gear itself, of course, uh, spawned the success of really Konami's kind of run into to the NES, and they decided to create a sequel for the game, Snake's Revenge, again without Kojima. In fact, he wasn't even aware of the project until one of the developers approached him on the subway to ask him why he wasn't involved. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. The- <laughs> right? <laughs> Walking in that day, like kicking the door open. <laughs> what the? What's going on here? So, uh, rather though than the, like pouting and shouting, he decided that he wanted to continue the story of Solid Snake. And Kojima went to the executives at Konami and lobbied to create his own sequel to Metal Gear on the the MSX Two, which was Metal Gear Two Solid Snake, and they greenlit it for him. With Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, there were vast improvements over the first Metal Gear, which included updated graphics, as well as a new system uh, for handling evading detection, where Snake could climb under objects when soldiers were searching for him. So you could actually climb under tables and and other things uh, in order to uh, prevent yourself from being caught. Uh, It also included a noise detection system that was triggered when Snake uh, was moving too fast over certain types of floor panels that would obviously catch the attention of the guards. Uh, The inclusion of a radar system that allowed you to see where enemies were, not even just in the room that you were in, but all the rooms uh, of the level that you were in. And uh, that also meant, though, that bad guys could travel between rooms uh, to up the challenge for the player. Uh, And lastly, the dialogue in the game provided much more character development for Snake as he shared information about his past and his home life. Uh, Sadly, however, this wasn't made available to gamers outside of Japan until 2006, where it was included in Metal Gear Solid 3. So we never got a chance to play it. Now, interestingly enough, though, Kojima and Konami kind of took a hiatus when it came to Metal Gear franchise uh, for almost eight years after the release of Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, with basically Hideo kind of waiting for the game technology that would match the ambitions of for his series. Originally, though, in 1994, Konami wanted to make a Metal Gear game for the 3DO, but the console's lifespan was short-lived, and uh, Kojima was already working on a game called Police Knots for the system. Rest in peace. Yep. In 1998, Konami and Hideo would release Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation 1, which featured the titular Solid Snake in a 3D environment, but continued its stealth gameplay roots. Uh, During the development of the game, it was pitched to Kojima to make the game a first-person perspective, but Hideo shot it down thinking it would be too difficult to control. So what's kind of cool about the game is you're from a third-person perspective. It's still kind of 2D a bit. But obviously, in, a, in more of a 3D environment. Uh, right. Super cool. Now, Donnie, you're a big fan of this game, right? I love this game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. What makes it so good, in your opinion? 
Oh God, there's there's so many things that make it good. The storyline, uh, which does, I mean, at times it can get drawn out because like like you said, Hideo is a film buff and he uses a lot of visual uh, representation in his storytelling um, with footage from actual military stuff that happens in there. The character dialogue was not lost on the translation from Japanese to American. Uh, the the action and gameplay was was it kept me on the edge of my seat. It was never a dull moment um, because you could either choose between stealth or just full on rush in run and gun. The translation from Japanese to American. <laughs> I don't speak English. I speak American. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> We're keeping all of this in, by the yep, way. Yep, we are. <laughs> now, what's cool about Metal Gear Solid was that Kojima wanted the game to, as you kind of pointed out, to be as realistic as possible. Uh, so he ended up bringing in the Huntington Beach SWAT team to educate the developers on vehicles, weapons, and explosives. And oh, okay. later, he brought in a weapons expert uh, by the name of Matosato Mori to have the developers go through demonstrations where the team was given gear and weapon missions that they could experience what it was like to infiltrate an enemy holdout. Was their gear metal? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. I just think it's super cool that he actually had his team do raids and stuff uh, where they oh, were like, yeah. yeah, check the corners and clear and all this stuff. And they were walking and communicating and all that stuff. So they they knew what it was like. And that translated, I think, into a, a game that uh, you could tell was made by people who uh, have ex- at least experienced some of it. So super cool. Agreed. So the game went into being, of course, a roaring success and paved the way for many more entries into the series, including the sequel Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, which is often considered to be a masterpiece by many gamers. And this would eventually make Kojima a household name and allowed him to continue his career and have the freedom to be a bit eccentric and even critical of the video game industry. <laughs> no. A bit. Just a tad. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of sum things up, Metal Gear has influenced the stealth genre even today and continues to be a highly revered series in the annals of gaming history. Now, Kojima's approach to gaming focusing on cinematic experiences has moved all of gaming into creating more immersive experiences for players and pushing the boundaries of the technology. I, I will protest that Metal Gear Solid 2. I knew that. I knew that was going to come. <laughs> Is the game visually pleasing? Absolutely. Is the storyline good? Uh, okay, yes, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> what in the hell is rated? Like we go from <laughs> Solid Snake to Pretty Boy Raiden, and he, he's doing cartwheels and all this stuff around, and I'm just like, what is this crap? In my research, I found out the reason behind that, and they wanted to make the game more accessible to female players. So they thought, oh, you know what female players really like? Pretty boys. <laughs> Polish Snake up a little bit. <laughs> like, you know, give him, give him a little bit more buff, maybe. Or, Clean him up, you know. put him in a suit. I don't know. <laughs> Just, well, <laughs> that was Hitman, wasn't it? <laughs> right, yeah. No, but when I, when I saw that game, or when I started playing again with, with Raiden, I was like, oh, okay, I'm... I'm I'm only going to be playing as this guy for just a little bit. So that's, that's fine. No, it was the rest of the entire freaking game. And I'm right. just like, no, 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 no. Well, maybe we can change to what I said is to uh, arguably a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thank you for attending today's lesson. Just a reminder, if you have ideas for a story you'd like to hear, send us a message at gamersweekpodcast at gmail.com and we might feature your suggestion. All right. Thank you for listening to episode 37 of the Gamers Week podcast. And a big thank you to the Retro Game Club podcast, Elitist podcast, and Love Retro BTW for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to check out their links in the show notes. By the way, I heard that many of you are. So awesome. Thank you guys for doing that. That is super cool. If you want to connect with Gamers Week, follow us on Twitter at Gamers Week PC. Email us at Gamers Week Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our merch store at Gamers Week Pod. <sighs> I hate this thing. <laughs> Visit our merch store at gamers-week-podcast.creator-spring.com or if you want to do it the easy way, follow the link in the show notes. And join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gamersweek. Finally, since you made it all the way to the end of the episode, please leave us a rating and a review to let us know how we did. We might just feature it on the episode. We really value your feedback. And while you're there, consider subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. It is like totes cool that you are checking out the latest <laughs> podcast. I was like... Oh, God. oh my god I don't sound like that okay you guys okay? why does it sound like everything's a question <laughs> I like we done here <laughs> I think we're done <laughs> good night everybody <laughs> good night good night Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut, patrons with benefits. This is the unscripted patron-only bonus cast with less editing and more dirty jokes. We don't know where the conversation will go, but we're sure it will be weird. This fish just went right on my nipple. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I Google Street Fighter 6, the first search result that comes up is people think they can see Ryu's dick in the Street Fighter 6 reveal. <laughs> Listen up here, kids. You're not going to want to get one of those VDSTDs things, right? Make your dick fall off. When you go, grab a pro. You'll be doing it for America. That was perfect. <laughs> If you want to hear weekly episodes of our patron-only bonus cast, join us at patreon.com slash gamersweek. 